0: There are two kinds of people, those who try to justify their own actions and those who are adjusted by the Spirit. You're listening to No More Justifying from our series, God Is For Us, where we are learning that God is for those he loves. And now here's our lead pastor, Pastor Travis Davenport. Well, hey, this morning we're continuing on in this series, Uh, God Is For Us, and I'm really excited about it. Um, Today, uh, I'm not preaching, which I'm kind of excited about, um, to be honest with you, because and it's not because I don't like to preach. I really do. Um, But I'm excited because our very own creative director, Seth, is going to be preaching today. We can give it up for that. And uh, yeah, and the reason that I'm, I'm welcoming him is because I feel like maybe you could drive with us or not. I feel like anytime time like a lead pastor doesn't preach, it's usually because it's like, oh, he's on vacation, right? Yeah. So usually that's why, But that's not the reason. Like, I want to be here and hear the people that we are raising up to communicate and speak the gospel, speak the gospel. And so I will be sitting with you this morning, taking notes just like you because we all take notes. Amen. Yeah. Because we don't just worship in spirit. We worship in. Yes, exactly. So I want you, if you would, stand to your feet and give a warm welcome to our very own Seth. Come on, welcome him to the stage this morning.
1: We're still in Romans chapter 8, just as we were last week. We're going to continue on in verses 5 through 11 this, uh, this morning. Pastor Travis had the opportunity to take us through 1 through 5 last week, and we learned that there is no more condemnation on our lives, and that's, that's good news. Amen? So we're going to continue reading here this morning in verse 5. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity we have to continue on in Romans chapter 8. God, right now, I just invite you to speak to us through your word. This morning, we're not interested in hearing my opinions. I'm definitely not interested in speaking them. We're not interested in hearing the opinions of Covenant Church or of man. But instead, God, we are interested in hearing from you, that we might live our lives according to your work and what you've done. God, we invite you to do this this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you turn somebody, shake somebody's hand as you take a seat here this morning. Let's get going. Don't turn somebody, turn to somebody. Well, there's a lot of things that uh, some people know about me. And one of the things that I am probably not known for is being a, a big sports guy. This isn't something that I would be known for. If my brother were here this morning, he would go, Ha! because he knows exactly uh, what I'm talking about when I say I'm not a sports guy. I don't really have a, a favorite team or things that I really, really get into the way that other people get into it. But there was something that happened just this past uh, few, uh, a few months ago that I thought was really, really interesting, and it brought about kind of a new way for me to look at sport events, sporting events. And I know I already, to you sport guys, you're all, you just lost all respect for me. So I apologize that we got that out of the way, out of the gate there. So uh, just a few months ago, the NBA finals took place and the Golden State Warriors played the Cleveland Cavaliers. You guys remember when this happened? If you're a good person from Ohio, you remember it well. And there's something that I noticed that was taking place uh, during the uh, NBA finals that I thought was really, really interesting. See, whenever I watch these things, I kind of watch them and I I, I don't really have a dog in the fight because I'm not particularly passionate about one team or the other. And it allows me to watch uh, the NBA finals in a really like objective light. And so something that I noticed that was taking place, I thought was really interesting, and I wanted to bring it up this morning. See, what would happen uh, would uh, was the Golden State Warriors would play, and Steph Curry, their, their fav- favorite player, the one who is well-known, you all know his name, you've all probably seen him play or heard his name at the very least, uh, when he would not play as well as maybe they had expected or even as he played the night before— they would begin, the Golden State Warriors fans, the, the defenders, right, the ones, who, the ones who are fans of his, they would talk on social media and sports radio and all the different things, and they would try and justify his, his performance on the court. They would say things like, well, you know what? It was an away game. He didn't get to sleep in his own bed, and and that affects it. And you know what? He has that old injury or whatever it might be uh, that, that was causing him to not perform the way they expected him to perform. They were justifying his behavior. But it wasn't just something that was limited to the, to the uh, Golden State Warriors. It was all, also something that we saw happen with the Cleveland Cavs and LeBron James. When, the, when LeBron James would not play well, what began to happen was his fans, the people who, who wanted him to succeed, they began to say, you know what? It's an away game. He didn't sleep in his own bed. He's got that old injury or there's just something going on. You know, we're not privy to the inner workings of LeBron, the king's mind. We don't know what's going on, right? And so, but, but there's some reason that he's not performing the way that he should. We, we justify the behaviors of those we kind of look to exceed at a higher level, don't we? And we don't just justify the behaviors of of our sports heroes. We justify the behaviors of of lots of different people. Uh, I am a father. I have a little two-year-old. And anybody who has children knows that we often justify the behavior of our children, don't we? Uh, How many of you either have, I mean, you have to have You either heard the parent or been the parent who has said, like, yeah, he's wild, I'm so sorry, we gave him a little bit too much sugar today. And so he's acting a little, you know, he missed his nap. I'm so sorry. He missed his nap. And, and we justify our, our children's behaviors. And we do the same thing in our own lives. We do the same thing in our own lives. We justify our behavior um, in any way that we can. And while there may be some degree of truth to what we say, the truth is that we have uh, behaved in a way that we're trying to, to sort of account for, right? And so in the NBA finals, we saw this, and, and scripture actually talks about this idea of, of why we live the way we live. And uh, we're gonna get into that now. Let's look back at verse five. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Is life and peace. So here scripture is talking about two different kinds of people. Scripture's telling us that there are two different kinds of people. Not three. Two. There you go. Two. There's two different kinds of people. And, and there's those who, whose minds are focused on the flesh and those whose minds are focused on the Spirit. So first, let's talk about those who are focused on the flesh, those whose minds are focused on the flesh. So for, first of all, for those of you who weren't raised in church, and maybe you're new to this whole Christian thing, or maybe you've kind of been in and out of church, or whatever it might be, and you've heard this term flesh, and you've thought, I don't know exactly what that means. When, when Scripture here is talking about flesh, and when Paul writes about flesh, what he's talking about is our sinful nature. He's talking about the nature that we have where we, where we do things that are counter to God's expectations of us. They're counter to godliness, our, our human sinful nature. And so when scripture talks about flesh, what it's saying is sin. It's saying sinful behavior. When, when, you, when you set your mind on sinful behavior, you're going to live according to sinful behavior. So I want you to think of it through that lens. Minds of flesh are all about sort of reducing ourselves to our animalistic um, nature, right? We call it kind of like an animalistic nature. It's it's the body and it's all of the body's desires. It's all of the body's impulses, the inclinations, the wants of the body that we try and satiate in many different ways. And honestly, you really don't have to look that far to see what the world cares about and what the world thinks about and what flesh brings you to. You need look no further than the magazines in the checkout aisle at the grocery store right there on their cover. That's all you have to look at to see what the world is concerned with. Am I right? What are the things that we see on these magazines? We see things like 10 ways to spice up the bedroom, right? Uh, 10 ways to spice up your taco recipe. Food recipes, right? Uh, uh, 10 ways to spice up your workout. 10 ways to spice up your workout. We're concerned with our physique, with how we look. 10 ways to spice up your financial portfolio. That's for some of you who look at the other, more highbrow magazines, maybe, right? We're concerned with sex. We're concerned with food. We're concerned with uh, our bodies. We're concerned with money, material things. This is the mind that is set on the flesh. And scripture here has a strong warning for us in Romans chapter eight. It tells us that flesh equals death. Flesh equals death. I want you to write that down. Flesh equals death. If you're taking notes this morning, write that down. Scripture goes on in its warnings about flesh. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, it says this, for many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on what? Earthly things. With minds set on earthly things. You could also say fleshly things. You could say sinful things. With minds set on earthly things. The warning continues in, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. So we're gonna, we're gonna find out what they are. Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. So don't be casting spells in here this morning. Sorcerers, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. It's really interesting to me that he says, and things like these, as in this isn't even the definitive list because the disgusting things we do go on and on. I warn you, he says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a stern warning. It's a stern warning. Somebody whose mind set on flesh is left justifying their behavior every single day. And we do this as Christians. The world certainly does this. We do this from the outright silly, like saying things like, don't you talk to me till I've had my coffee, right? And we all chuckle on a Monday with our coworkers. That's silly, but we're justifying our behavior. We do it from the silly to the dangerous. The dangerous, like boys will be boys. Is this a lesson that we want for our boys? Boys will be boys, we justify behavior. The person whose mind is set according to the flesh says, I've worked hard, I deserve to play hard. I earned it, I deserve it. I'm a man, I have needs, right? It's just, it's it's who I am, I have needs. I I gotta satisfy those needs. I mean, this is what's right for me. It may not be right for you, like I get that. What might be right for you may not be right for some justifying. Or my favorite in culture kind of today is just this attitude of, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. And it's usually followed up with like, only God can judge me, you know, which is now oh, just terrifying to think about. I don't think they know what that means. I'd much rather be judged by man than by God. Then maybe I could get out for parole. These people feel that, that their lives are great. They do. Because scripture even says that like sin, it feels good for a, time, for a time, for a season, right? They feel that life is great. But the truth is there is a disease called sin that is causing them to slip further and further away from God. Further and further as, 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 they, uh, as they have no direction and no hope and no purpose in their lives other than satiating their desires of the day. Flesh equals death. Well, Scripture also talks about the Spirit. It says, and then there are those whose minds are focused on the Spirit. People who are focused on the Spirit are concerned with godliness. They're concerned with righteousness. They're concerned with Jesus-likeness. I don't know if that last one's a word, but I like it. Listen, the basic idea here is is as we walk according to the Spirit, the more like Jesus we should become. The more like Jesus we become. When we live according to the Spirit, we begin to see Christ-like characteristics taking shape in our lives. Why is this good? Because Spirit equals life. Write that down. The spirit equals life. In fact, Romans says life and peace. How many of you want some peace in your life these days? I'd love some life. I'll take some peace too. Spirit equals life. Back in Galatians, we read about the works of the flesh. It continues on right after that. It talks about the fruit of the spirit. Let's read about those. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. With its passions and desires. The person whose mind is set according to the Spirit, this is a person who says, I want what you want, God. I want what you want. God, you shape me. You mold me you give me what what I need, what you know I need. I trust that that you are in control. See, when we live according to the Spirit, it it shapes our entire worldview. And our worldview is the lens with which we look at the world. And it should completely change as we live according to the Spirit. Romans continues on in verse 7 and 8. It says, for the mind that it For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's a tough warning here. When we live according to the flesh, it's not just that we may not please God. It's not that like we don't have permission or, or, or like if we work hard enough, we might be able to achieve it if we just try really, really hard and we can do it sometimes and not others. No, it says that when we live according to the flesh, when we do things in our flesh, we cannot please God. It means that we are incapable of doing it. An interesting illustration to this point is the story of, of Cain. And we look at the story of Cain and Abel, and, and, and we, we all have heard the story of, of how, how Cain killed Abel out of anger, right? But if you, if you kind of rewind and look at what, take, what took place before that, what happened was Abel and Cain both brought sacrifices before God. And whenever they got there with those sacrifices, God looked upon Abel's with favor, he was pleased. And he looked upon Cain's and he was displeased and he did not accept Cain's sacrifice. And we look at it and we say, well, why? Cain brought a sacrifice. He worked with his own hands, right? Like he he planted, he planted these, these fruits and he brought it to, to God. But what did Abel do? He brought the, the fattened calf. The calf, which was the blood covenant that God set up in Genesis before that. And there's a lot of different things that we can draw out of this passage. We could argue whether Cain's uh, heart was in the right place or whether it wasn't. But what we don't see in in Cain's behavior is obedience. Cain wanted to, whether it was with good intentions or bad, he wanted to grow his fruit and bring his fruit and say, Look, God, I worked for you. I did this. Awesome. Take Take my sacrifice. And God says, no, no, I'm not going to accept that sacrifice. And, and Cain lowers his head in shame. And, and God says, why, didn't, why do you lower your head in shame when you, when you don't do what you should do? See, God is not looking for you to work for him. He is looking for your love for him. This is an important point. He's not looking for you to work for him. He's looking for your love for him. All that you can toil to build will bring you no true and lasting satisfaction because we were created to be in a pleasing relationship with God and we cannot please him in our flesh. And we try to build things, don't we? Not even in the name of God sometimes. We work and we build and we achieve. Look at all these celebrities. Look at all these celebrities who, who achieve success. They achieve in indulgence and fame like most of us will never even come close to comprehending. And yet how often do they show us that they are completely empty? Because they can build and they can build and they can achieve by man's standards. They can work according to their flesh. They can chase every single desire that their flesh will throw at them and they will end up empty. Because as C.S. Lewis said, we have a God-shaped hole in us that can only be filled by him. And no matter what else we throw at it, we will remain empty until we are in a pleasing relationship with our creator, which cannot be done in our flesh. The world does this. They they do this. They, They act according to their flesh. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We need to stop being surprised that the world is acting like the world. Right? Like Romans lays it out here for us. It says, those who minds are set on the flesh will live according to the flesh. There you go. Now you know why they act the way they do. Now you know why the world acts the way the world acts. We need to stop being surprised when the world is acting like the world. It shouldn't catch us off guard. But... But we need to start being surprised when we do. Like a little bit, right? Can I get like a little bit from you this morning? Like like you agree, like a little bit, right? It needs to bother us at least like a little bit that we as Christians who should be living according to the spirit and we see what, what the fruit of the spirit is, we should be a little surprised when we're acting like the world. We need to stop being surprised that the world is acting like the world, but we need to start being surprised when we as Christians do. And that's the truth. In fact, Scripture here says, uh, it goes on with its, uh, its warning in, in Romans. It says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. As Christians, we were born of the spirit. We no longer walk in flesh, but we walk according to the spirit. See, how, would, how ridiculous would it be? How much less of me would you think if every day I had to get up and I had places to go and I had errands to run, I had to get to the, the uh, uh, supermarket, I had to get to the grocery store, whatever. I had, I had doctor's appointments and I had different things. And I got up and I walked there by foot everywhere I went. But I had in my garage, a Lamborghini, all gassed up, ready to go, keys in my pocket. How much of a fool would you think me? I, I would be ridiculous to do that. Why? Well, because a Lamborghini is awesome, right? Like it's super fast. It's super powerful. You look great, right? Like, well, you know what I would do if I had a Lamborghini? I would go to Walmart. Yes, I would still go to Walmart because I need Oreos or I need milk. And I would just pull in and I'd pull into my parking spot. And if no one was around, I would wait. And I would wait for someone to be around so they could see me getting out of my Lamborghini. Because that would be so cool. You'd just be like, yeah, look at me. I got my Lamborghini. It's awesome, isn't it? Why? Because that guy knows. It's a Lamborghini. It's powerful. Well, how ridiculous would it be for me to walk from place to place with my, my Lamborghini in my garage? And yet, Christians, we all have a Lamborghini in our garages that we leave parked there almost every single day. We have a powerful machine, a machine more powerful than a Lamborghini that could do more than a Lamborghini could ever do that we have access to and we just leave it parked inside of us. We've got to stop with this behavior modification stuff. We've got to stop trying to modify our behavior. In fact, God's kind of whole point of, of the Old Testament was that the law wasn't enough to save us. If it, if it was enough, if behavior modification worked, if, if me just knowing that I was a sinner actually helped me not sin, I wouldn't need Jesus. And neither would you. Neither of us would because we would be able to, to tackle it ourselves. But the law was imperfect All it could do was show us that we were sinners, that we needed Jesus. In fact, Paul says that in in many ways it made sinning worse, knowing that we were sinners. There's a really simple principle at work here. And it's this principle that what we focus on grows. What we focus on grows. I want you to write that down. And I'm going to illustrate to you how your mind works and why what we focus on grows by getting you to do something that I'm going to tell you not to do. On the count of three, what I want everybody in this room to do, whatever you do on the count of three, no matter what, don't think about a zebra. Okay, so just real quick, one, two, three, don't think about a zebra. What did everybody just think about? A zebra. And some of you think you beat me because you're like, I thought about a zebra for like... Tenth of a second. Then I moved on potato chips. Like, (laughs) no, see, our minds are great. They're powerful. But, but the truth is what we focus on grows. We, we can't overcome sin by focusing, focusing on it. This is what the law shows us. We can't overcome sin by focusing on it. We overcome sin by focusing on Christ this is what Romans wants us to know. There's this, there's this story uh, about Jesus walking on water and it's awesome. You guys have heard this story, right? Jesus walks on water and it's kind of like, yeah, that is cool. Jesus walked on water, but like Jesus was Jesus. He was, he was God. So of course he walked on water. It was awesome, but he's also God. But all, you know who else walked on water in that story? Peter. Peter walked on water. And this is such a cool part of the story because, because Peter was not like a dude who didn't know water. It's not like he, he was so dumb that he, you know, like thought he was just going to get out on water or whatever and, and walk on it. He owned a fishing boat with his friends. The, the man knew water well. And yet he's in this situation where Jesus calls him out onto the water. And Peter looks at his king. He looks at his savior He looks at the one who who came to save him, who came to change the whole world, and his eyes are focused on Jesus Christ, and he puts his foot out of the boat, and he steps it down onto water, and what does the water do? It holds him up. The water goes against the very nature of its existence. Because Peter was focusing on his Savior, his foot was sustained by something that shouldn't be able to sustain it. He did the impossible. This is a beautiful picture of how the spirit is at work in us. When we focus on Christ, we can do the impossible. We can overcome our sinful nature when we focus on Jesus Christ. But what happened to Peter is the same thing that sort of happens to us day by day. He he took his eyes off Jesus. He took his eyes off the king and he looked down at the water and he started thinking, I'm assuming he started thinking about like, man, water shouldn't hold me up. Feel that wind. Look at these waves. I I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not enough to do this. He's right. Because it wasn't him who was holding himself up. It was his faith in his king. And whenever he he started focusing on what water does, which is a molecule that sort of just moves out of the way normally when we jump into it, right? He sank because his eyes were off of Christ. We got to get this through our heads, church. We need to change our focus from focusing on overcoming sin to focusing on revelations of who our king is. Revelations of his goodness, new revelations of his grace, new revelations of how he is at work in our lives. And when we do this, we can do the impossible. So you might be thinking, OK, I'm, I'm sort of I'm sort of inspired. But practically, what does this mean for me? Practically, as a Christian, what does this mean for me? I have access to the Holy Spirit, what do I need to do? Okay, so let's talk about two very practical things that you must do every day to set your mind according to the Spirit. Number one, we already got it up on the screen there for you. You need to search for new revelations of Christ's goodness in His Word. It's a really fancy way to say read the Bible. And I'm not talking about read the Bible because I'm checking off the list as a Christian. And this is what I'm supposed to do And I I pull up the Bible app and I'm I'm the gospel in 10 days or whatever, which is like impossible to comprehend. And I'm checking them off, checking them off, checking them off. Because my buddy who I am friends with on the Bible will know, right? Some of you, yeah, you know, what's up? Right? We, 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 We walk this line. We're not talking about reading scripture because it's out of this weird guilt or, 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 or sense that like we, we have to do it as Christians. We've got to go through the motions. We are reading scripture to know our king more. Did you know that the Bible, including the Old Testament, front to back is about Jesus Christ? Front to back. It begins in Genesis and it goes all the way to Revelation. It's a story of how God works in our lives. You need to search for new revelations of Christ's goodness every day in his word. You also need to seek him daily through communion in prayer. Communion in prayer, your time with him, your personal time with him. Where you, where you speak to him. And we talked about some of the things that, that people whose minds are set according to the Spirit say. What do they say? God, show me what you want for me. God, be at work in my life. God, I can't do this on my own. I don't have the power to do this. I need you. God, show me new revelations of Jesus. Show me in, in, in my love for my wife and my wife's love for me. Show me in, in my love for my children. Show me in my friend's kindness and service to, to, its, to his community. Show me in all of the things that I might encounter. May I, may I discover new revelations of your goodness at work symbolized through our lives. May I discover it in the scriptures as I pour over them and not just check off the box so that I can say I've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but so that I can hear the story of Jesus Christ at work in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some of you who grew up in in youth groups, you're already kind of laughing at me. Why? Because the easiest answer in youth groups to every question is read the Bible and pray. And I bet you probably came to church kind of wondering like, what am I going to be taught today? Read the Bible and pray, Christian. Read the Bible and pray. It's not any more complicated than this. We just become wrapped up in our behavior modification. We We become wrapped up in concerning ourselves with sin. And sin will bring us death and destruction. So for those of you who don't know Christ, for those of you who don't know Christ, Maybe you're, you're kind of wondering, okay, so you're talking to Christians. You're not talking to me. You're talking to Christians. You're not really talking to me. Uh, here's what I would say to you. Jesus Christ has made this available to you as well. Now, I know some of you who, who do not yet know Jesus, you are struggling. You are struggling. The truth is people don't typically come to church if they've got life all together, if they've got it all handled that's not why we walk through these doors. There, there, there's two kinds of people. There's, here, there's those who are, who are here to celebrate God at work in their lives, or those who are trying to figure out if God will, will work in their lives. And so for those of you who don't know Jesus, I want you to know that he lived and he died for you. It's a story that you may have heard. <clears throat> it's a story that, that is very old. He walked on this earth. He raised up disciples who, who, who would be able to teach us when he, when he left. And, and before he left, he was actually put to death. He was put to death. He died. And he took on the sins of the entire world. He drank a cup of wrath that wasn't due him. It was due each of us. And it was due each of us because of the sins that we commit and will commit the sins of the world for all time, all of men. Jesus that, drank that cup of wrath himself so that we could be spared it. But he didn't stop there. He died. He rose again. And That may not be news to you, but he rose again. And he said before he left this earth that he was going to leave us with a helper. And this helper who he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is willing to take root in your heart, to live in you. This is God living in you. If you will just accept the sacrifice of Jesus over your life. Thank you for
0: listening to this message from our series, God is for us at Covenant Church. We hope you are impacted by the message today. If you'd like to invest in what God is doing here in this ministry, Feel free to give online at covenantchurch.us forward slash give.